Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. The book of 1 Samuel and chapter number 3. The book of 1 Samuel and chapter number 3. Now we're finishing up our series of the Holy Scriptures. And what we've been doing is just taking a week to examine the different aspects, the different studies of the Bible. That we took a week to talk about the inspiration of the scriptures. Meaning that it was God that gave us the Bible. That the Bible was not written by man. This is a book written by God. We spoke about the inerrancy of the word of God. That the Bible is true in all aspects that it speaks about. Which blends into the idea of the accuracy of God's word. That the Bible is accurate in all subjects that it deals with. Whether it's science, whether it's history, whether it's archaeology, whether any other subject. We spoke about the purpose of the word of God. The purpose of the word of God is to reveal God to man. That's what the whole purpose is. This is not a book about David. It's not a book about Paul. It's not a book about Peter. This is a book about God to reveal God to man. We spoke about the preservation of scripture that God promised to preserve his word and that the Bible that we hold in our hand is indeed the very word that God intended us to have and that we could have confidence in it by the promise of God of his preservation. We spoke about the interpretation of God's word that the Bible says that we're to study to show ourselves approved rightly dividing the word of truth that we're supposed to know how to rightly divide the word of truth that the Bible doesn't mean one thing to you and mean something different to me that we're supposed to study to find out what did God mean when he gave us the Bible. Then we also took time to speak about the illumination of God's word. That God by his Holy Spirit opens up the scripture and gives us understanding. And we understand that the Bible is a spiritual book. And that you must be spiritually right with God to understand the book. That's why there's so many people who read the Bible and say does it make sense to me? That's because they're not right with the Lord. It is a spiritual book and it's the Holy Spirit's job to open up the Bible to us to give us an understanding. And now we've been taking some time for more practicality. We spoke about the power of God's word last week. Knowing that the Bible is true, knowing it's his word, what can God's word do in our life? And now as we finish up in these last two messages tonight, or this morning and tonight, we are speaking more about the practicality. Knowing all of that, this is the things that we learned about the Bible is true. How do we apply this? How does it affect us? How does it matter to us on a day-to-day basis. So with that, we now find our way to the book of 1 Samuel chapter number 3. The book of 1 Samuel chapter number 3, and if you don't mind, let's notice in verse number 1. 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse number 1, the word of God says this, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass 
at the time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was and Samuel was laid down to sleep. And the Lord called Samuel and he said, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not, lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called as other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of 1 Samuel chapter number 3? 1 Samuel chapter number 3, and notice with me at the end of verse number 10. 1 Samuel chapter 3 at the end of verse number 10, where it says, Speak, for thy servant heareth. Speak, for thy servant heareth. And with the Lord's help, I would like to preach a message to you dealing practically about responding to the Word of God. Responding properly to the Word of God. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And Lord, I thank you for everyone here who's at the sound of my voice. That everyone here that we could be an encouragement and be a help to. Lord, sometimes it's these small messages like this that could change someone's life forever. I know that my life was changed because of this exact message. And I'm praying that you would do a wondrous work in someone's life. That you would do an eternity-changing work in someone's life. Something that would be done today that would affect them for all of eternity. I'm asking that you would give them spirit-filled ears, that you would just allow distractions to be set aside, allow any hindrances that would keep us from paying attention. Lord, I know that this is a message that you want to get a hold of everyone's heart too. And I'm asking that you would help us. And we love you in Jesus name we pray. Amen. How to respond properly to the word of God. You know, what a great question that is. How do we respond properly to God's word? We know that there's much preaching and there are many times that we read the Bible. But how is it that we could practically, specifically learn to respond well to God's word? Well, if you don't mind, there's a couple of things I'd like to point out to you in this book of 1 Samuel chapter 3. First of all, I want to show you the desire to respond. The desire to respond. Now in verse number one, it says something very interesting. It says, and the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. Now just to give context, in the chapter before, there was a lady by the name of Hannah and she just desperately wanted to have a child. But she was just barren. No child would come. And she would just 
cry out to the Lord and cry out to the Lord and cry out to the Lord. Finally, she got to the place where she said, God, if you give me a man child, I will give him back to you to serve, to serve you. I want to have a man child for the purpose that he would grow up serving you. And guess what God did? He did a miracle and gave this mother, this lady who was barren, who could not have children, he, she gave her a child. And so Samuel was born and he was raised up in this home. And then when it was about time, she gave them over to the temple and gave them over to Heli, the high priest, with the purpose that he would learn how to serve God with his life. And so here we have a young little lad, seven years old, who is now over at the temple. He's been serving with Eli. Whatever Eli tells him to do, he does. Now the Bible gives more context. The child Samuel ministered before, uh, unto the Lord before Eli. Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. Now what does this mean? Well at this time there's very little scripture that is written. You have the book of Job which is floating around out there. You have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. You have the book of Deuteronomy. You also have the account of Joshua and that's it. You just have those books of the Bible. And at this time, there's not a lot of people who is being used as a human pinman to write scripture. And so when it talks about precious, it talks about that it's valuable because it is rare. There's not a lot of scripture out here. God is getting ready to use Samuel. And by the way, Samuel is going to be used to help pin more books of the Bible. And so God is doing a work. He's getting things prepared. But before he can do anything, he has to get a servant ready. He has to get a human penman ready to be able to listen and write down exactly what God wants. Remember, we had talked about in the book of 1 Peter, how did we get the word of God? That holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. God is preparing someone to respond well to God so God can use him to be the penman God desired for him to be. So we start off giving this context. Verse number two. And it came to pass at the time that Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was, Samuel was laid down to sleep. And the Lord called Samuel and he answered, Here am I. So here's this young seven-year-old child. They're in the temple. It's Eli's job to make sure that the things in the house of God is taken care of. And here's Samuel, who's a servant of Eli, does whatever Eli wants. And in the middle of the night, Eli's sleeping, Samuel's sleeping. And God wakes up Samuel in the middle of the night and says, Samuel. Now, all Samuel hears is someone speaking to him. He naturally assumes it's his biblical authority. So he gets up being an obedient servant. Praise the Lord. Having a seven-year-old in the middle of the night respond so well. He wants to respond. He wants to do what's right. And he goes and runs into Eli's room and says, Here am I. You called me. Now Eli, being a normal parent, when the kid comes up in the middle of the night and says, Hey, I need to bother you, does what every one of us did at our time. I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. Leave me alone. Okay, and so Samuel goes back. Okay, that was different. But that... And in the middle of the night again, God calls him Samuel. Samuel gets up again. He doesn't know that it's God that's calling him. He responds to his biblical authority. He runs back into Eli. Eli, Eli, here I am. What do you need me to do? Eli's still not awake yet. 
does what every one of us would have done. No one's calling you. Go back to bed. Leave me alone. Okay. So what we have here, and praise the Lord that you have a young man who wants to respond. He wants to do what's right. He's waiting for it. He's at a beckoning call. He's ready to get up. I mean, don't we almost wish that all of our kids had a way if we called them in the middle of the night that they would move, respond, breathe, do something? So here's a young man, a child, seven-year-old, who wants to respond. He wants to respond well. He has a desire to respond, to do what's right. And so a third time, Samuel. So he gets up again. Now, again, at this time, if we told our kids to go back to sleep and they're hearing something, they would like, ah, it's nothing, go back. But he responds again. He wants to respond. He wants to do what's right. And he goes in there. This time, Eli has enough sense in his mind that he realizes that something's happening here. And he starts to realize that, you know what? Maybe God's calling this young man. And so he begins to work with them. But may I pause here? We start off with this desire to respond. And as we apply it to ourselves, being practical, there are many times that church folks, not being evil, not being wicked, not being rebellious, we want to respond to God's word. And so something happens like this. In fact, I'll just use, if you could forgive the personal testimony, I responded like this quite often, even up until the time that I was a preacher. So what would happen is that someone would come and they would preach from the Bible about reading God's word. And the Holy Spirit inside of me is thumping and said, that's you. That's you. You need to read the Bible. And so what happens is that the preacher gives an invitation. And remember, there's nothing magical about these altars. They just give us an opportunity to respond. And so the piano would play just as I am. And I would come forward and say, God, you spoke to me about reading your Bible. And I'm admitting that I haven't read as much as I ought to. Lord, help me to read more. Amen. I responded. I have a desire to respond. Great. And you know what happens? I walk outside those doors. And like everyone else, you walk outside those doors and everything you just heard about on Sunday just went away. And so the next Sunday happens and a preacher opens up the Bible and he preaches about reading your Bible again. And I have a desire to respond. God spoke to me and said, you still haven't been doing what you're supposed to. I go to the altar and say, I don't understand God. Last week I came, I told you I need to read the Bible more. I'm going to read my Bible and nothing happened. What happened? Can you maybe relate to that? That we have a desire to respond. It's not like we don't care, God, whatever you tell me, I just don't care. No, we want to respond. What's happening? And over and over that would play out. And then it gets to the place where you stop responding. Well, I keep going to the altar. Nothing changes. Why should I respond anymore? Well, may I say the desire to respond is there. But perhaps we need to be taught how to respond. In fact, that's what we see here. That Eli pulls aside Samuel and says, all right, next time I hear you, or next time you hear this voice, next time God calls you, this is how I want you to respond. Notice what he tells um, Samuel in verse, starting at verse 7. 
Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again a third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go, lie down. And it shall be, if he call thee, thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called as other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. What made the difference here? Because someone took the time to teach this young man how to properly respond to God. Now, if you don't mind, I would like to teach you something that was taught to me. Now, as I told you in my testimony, that there were many times all the way up to the time I was called to preach, I would respond to the altar. And I came to the altar quite a bit. I went to the altar to get saved. I went to the altar to get married. I went to the altar to make decisions. I went to the altar to surrender. I was active at the altar. But something, when this was taught to me, it revolutionized everything. And I would like to help you with this. How to respond to the Word of God. How do we respond to the Word of God? First of all, it must be personal. It must be personal. And when we say personal, that means we're using the personal pronouns I and me. I need this. This was for me. Now, why do I say that? Because so often inside of a church service, someone will come up and say, Preacher, I really wish so-and-so was here. They really needed that message. Well, we don't care about those other people. What about you? Or someone say, Man, Preacher, you were really letting so-and-so have it. We're so quick about passing off the message to someone else. When in all reality, if you are in the building, when the word of God is opened up, God is trying to speak to you. And he's trying to get your attention. And so the first thing we have to do is make it personal. This is for me. I need to respond properly. This is what I need to do. It first of all must be personal. You can't make decisions for anyone else. Lord, you make sure that my wife gets right. She really needed this message. No, you can only respond for you. This is what I need to do. This is what I need to decide. This is for me. Not only must it be personal, it also must be practical. The word practical carries the idea of something that is achievable, something that can be accomplished. What do I mean by that? Well, we use the illustration of the word of God. Let's do it again. The Bible at an average reading speed takes 72 hours to read from cover to cover. That's not long at all. However, if someone comes up and says, all right, Lord, you spoke to me tomorrow. I'm going to read my entire Bible. Is that practical? No, it's not. It may be good intentions, but it's not something they can do. But what if they could say something like this, Lord, help me to read my Bible for 10 minutes tomorrow. Is that achievable? Lord, help me to read five chapters tomorrow. Is that achievable? 
And so if we're going to make a decision, it has to be practical, meaning that there's something that we can do to achieve, something that I can do in my stage of life. By the way, this makes it, it doesn't matter where you're at in your Christian life, that you can all respond to the word of God. May I give an illustration? Let's say that a guest preacher comes and he preaches on reading the word of God. And you respond to the altar, and I, as the pastor, respond to the altar. Does that mean that I'm a good, no good pastor and I haven't been reading my Bible at all? No. Maybe God's speaking to me about reading more of my Bible and I'm making a bigger decision. Maybe instead of reading my Bible for 15 minutes, I'm reading for 30 minutes. I've now made a bigger decision because I'm now at a different stage of growth. Does that make sense? This means that we all can respond to God's word whenever it's preached. No matter where it is, we're making different decisions, but we're all able to make a decision that is practical for me. Does that make sense? And so, first of all, it must be personable. Second of all, it has to be practical, which carries the idea that it has to be achievable. What else about responding to God's word? It also must be measurable. It must be measurable. What do I mean by that? That means I need to find some way to see if I kept my decision. Some way of accountability. For example, if I said, went to the altar and said, Lord, help me to read more of your word. Period. Is there any way to really quantify whether I've done that or not? Not really. But if I say, Lord... Every day at 7 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to read my Bible for 10 minutes. Can I at the end of the week look back and see, did I keep my decision? Yes. It's because it's made practical. It's made measurable. It is made personable. I can make a specific decision that I can keep myself accountable for. Maybe like this. Lord, you convicted me about reading my Bible or, or praying more. So I'm coming to you making a decision that after my prayer life or after my Bible reading time, I'm going to pray for 15 minutes. Can I look back and see, did I keep my decision? Yes. What about this? God, you convicted me about passing out tracts. And so once a week, I'm at the place where I want to pass out a tract. Just one tract once a week. Can I look back at the end of the week? Did I keep my decision? Yes. Now, different people are at different places, so you're going to make different decisions. But every one of us can make a decision for us where we're currently at to help us to move forward. Does that make sense? Now remember, the more specific we can be, the more that decision is going to be kept. Here's an example. I, personal, will read my Bible for 15 minutes practical every morning at 8 a.m. Measurable. So I've made a specific decision. How about this? I, personal, will pray to God for 15 minutes practical every morning at 9 a.m. So what we're trying to do is teach you how to respond to God. Again, there's a frustration that happens that I respond to God, I go to the altar, I make a decision, but nothing changes. Why didn't something change? Because I never made a specific decision. I may have confessed and agreed with God, sure, I need to read my Bible more, but I didn't do anything about it. Now, if I could just pause and just run after a quick rabbit, most people have a hard time making decisions. That's probably our biggest failure is that we fail to make a specific decision. We agree this is something I ought to do, but agreeing that you should do something isn't the same as making that decision to do it. 
Most people fail at making a real decision that they expect to keep. So we talked about the desire to respond. We spoke about how to respond. Now let's see the results of responding. What happens to this because of it? Well, in the context, God speaks to Samuel and he says, let me tell you what we're going to do and let me tell you what's going to happen. Then he wakes up in the morning. Eli says, so what did God talk to you about? Don't uh, tell me everything. And so Samuel told him everything. But as Samuel learned how to respond to God, something amazing happened. Let's look at the results of responding. Turn with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 19. It says, and Samuel grew and the Lord was with him. Now because Samuel learned to respond to God's word, notice first of all, Samuel grew. This carries the idea that he grew spiritually in the knowledge of God. That once you learn how to respond to God, you are going to grow in your Christian life like never before. Again, forgive the personal illustration, but remember I told you for years and years, I would go to the altar and say, Lord, help me to do better, help me to do better. And it wasn't until way after I was saved for a long period of time, someone took me aside and taught me the same thing I'm teaching you. And once that happened, and I started making real decisions, The spiritual growth that God gave me was just outstanding. Just took off. Why? Because I'm making real decisions of responding to God. Moving forward for Him. Making real decisions. And it became easy to make decisions. And moving forward. Less frustration in your Christian life that you feel like I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not moving forward. Oh, you're growing rapidly. Because you've learned how to trust and obey. You've learned how to respond properly to God. And here it says, and Samuel grew. And it carries the idea of growing spiritually. Not just growing up as a child. But notice what else what it said. And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him. Now what an amazing statement. That the Lord was with him. In fact, notice what in verse 20. And all of Israel from Dan, this is the northernmost border, even to Beersheba, the southernmost border, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. That here, God was with him and everyone recognized that God was with him. Why? Because he learned how to respond to God. And as he responded to God, God put his presence, put his hand, put his favor upon Samuel. And everybody knew this was someone who walked with God. This was someone who got a hold of God. This was someone who God was pleased with. And everybody knew about it. To have God's hand of favor upon the life of a person. By the way, This is something that can happen to you. As you read through the book of Nehemiah, you could see Nehemiah say, the good hand of God was upon me. As you read the book of Ezra, you could see the good hand of God was upon me. How was it upon them? Because these were men who had learned how to respond to God. And God was with them because they responded properly to God. As a Christian, as a believer... Every person should have something inside that desires to have God's favor upon them. God's hand upon them. And I want to tell you that you can if you learn to respond to God properly. Notice something else here. Verse number 19. And Samuel grew 
and the Lord was with him. And did let none of his words fall to the ground. Now this is a word picture to give an illustration. Here it says the testimony of Samuel is that he didn't let a single one of God's words hit the ground. Maybe you could put in your mind like this. That there's a big apple tree. Just a big wide apple tree. And here's Samuel with a basket. And he is just waiting for that apple to fall. And when it fell, he went and grabbed it. And not a single one hit the ground because he was waiting to get for it. He was looking and responding. Oh, there's one. Oh, there's one. He was looking for ways to respond to God. What a testimony that none of God's words hit the ground. Meaning that none of them were wasted on Samuel. Samuel responded to every single one of them. You know, as a pastor... I see this all the time, except opposite. I watch people as I'm preaching go, whoa, that, was, that almost got me. <laughs> Woo! Oh, there's another one. Oh, I'm, I missed that one. That's good. That's not how it should be. We should be looking forward to responding to God's word. What am I supposed to do with this? How does God want to change my life? What am I supposed to respond to God from this? What a testimony that Samuel had. This is someone who didn't let God's words go to waste. They were not empty. They were not void. They were not ignored. He didn't let a single one fall to the ground. But he was anticipating and looking and prepared that when the word of God came forward, he was going to capture it and make it a part of his life. That should be what each and every one of us have. And we can by making practical decisions. Making specific decisions. Maybe I could illustrate this. Maybe the first decision that someone needs to make is to come to the Lord Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins. The Bible talks about that heaven's a perfect place. That's why we want to go there. There's no more sickness, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death, no more tears. It's perfect. But the problem is, dear friend, is that none of us are perfect. There is none righteous, no, not one. For all of sin to come short of the glory of God. The Bible says that because heaven's perfect and we're not, that we deserve to be separated from a wonderful God and the only other place to go according to the Bible is an awful place called hell. Do you know that God never created hell for a single human to go there? He created hell to punish Satan and his demons. But man goes there by default because there's nowhere else to go. But God didn't want to see a single human go to that awful place called hell. So what God did is that he robed himself in flesh And dwelt among us. He lived the same life that you and I lived. Went through the same temptations. The same troubles. And the same heartbreaks. And then he died on the cross. To pay for your sins. And to pay for mine. And what's more is he did it as a free gift. It says in Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. John 3.16. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever shall believe in him. Should not perish but have everlasting life. Maybe the first decision that someone needs to make is say, Lord, you offered me forgiveness. Help me to grab that forgiveness, to take that gift that you offered. And it would be our great privilege to take the Bible and to show you from the Bible how you can know without a doubt that your sins are forgiven and that God has granted you eternal life. Maybe that's the first decision you have to make. Maybe the rest of you, I've mentioned Bible reading. Maybe you need to make a decision about your own Bible reading. 
Help me to read my Bible faithfully. This is where I'm going to read it. How long I'm going to read it. I'm going to make an appointment. Just like you would make an appointment with a doctor, make an appointment with God. This is where I'm going to meet you at. How long I'm going to meet you at. What time I'm going to meet you at. Make a specific decision. Maybe it's your Bible reading. Maybe it's church attendance. It's amazing. People say, well, preacher, if I feel like it, I'll be there on Sunday. Guess what? You'll never feel like it. But when you make a decision, I'm going to be there, all of those other stuff seems to fade away. People stop hurting as much. There's less opposition when you finally make a decision. If I could give a cheap illustration, my family, we, know, we don't have the fight on Sunday. Well, am I going to make it or am I not going to make it? You say, well, you're the pastor. You have to. But you understand, it's not a decision. It's already been made. I'm going to be there no matter what. Sickness, not sickness, not feeling well, headache, whatever. We're going to be there. It's amazing what happens when you just finally make a decision. You know, your Bible reading will be less labor intensive if you just decide you're going to do it. Your prayer life will be less of a struggle if you just decide you're going to do it. There's something about making a decision that clears up so many things. And so I want to be a help to you today to teach you how to make a proper decision and what a testimony that would be for you. That you would grow spiritually. That you would have the hand of God upon you. And that you didn't let a single word of God fall to the ground. That you were prepared and ready to go. Wouldn't that be a wonderful testimony to have? To have that. And you can. If you learn how to respond properly to God's word. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.